The townsfolk call them Geisterhauser, ghost homes, abodes that sit empty, vast five or six bedroom homes locked up, unoccupied. I have seen them with my own eyes. I sought out a merchant of the housing variety and I asked of him, who lives in this luxurious mansion, complete with a swimming pool and immaculate garden, located near the inner city suburbs, close to trolley routes and renowned schools? The lad replied, no one. No one, I echoed, but who owns the home? And for how long has no one lived here? He looked at me with nary a hint of emotion in his eyes and said, it's been unoccupied for four years. The current owner bought it for the capital gains, you see. He didn't want to bother with the wear and tear of having tenants. He'll make far more from the capital gains of this sale than he ever would from rent. The groundskeeper comes around about once a month to tend to the lawn, but no one's lived here in that time. Four years? Is this common? I queried. He responded, Oh yes. While most multiple homeowners have tenants, I've sold plenty of houses just like this one. I was aghast. Structurally sound houses that are securely connected to electricity, water, and sewage systems. Often in large cities where a portion of the population is living homeless, sleeping rough without shelter, and another significant portion in their cars or vans or on friends' couches. There was at last count 196,000 long-term unoccupied, structurally sound houses and apartments in Aotearoa, while the entire country has an estimated homeless population of 41,000 people. In California, USA, the amount of houses and apartments unoccupied at last consensus was just over 690,000. This number includes holiday homes, as well as houses that are unoccupied full-time due to capital gain speculation. This is a massive resource waste in a state with a homeless population of 129,000 people. The people are cold and weary. They need shelter, they need stability. And these house thieves, they take homes out of common circulation. They steal essential resources away from those who need it, away from the good of the many, just to build their private wealth. Something must be done. You're being charged with breaking and entering. I suggest you plead guilty. They might let you off with community service. The house was empty. No one lives there. It's such a waste to have houses just sit empty when people are living on the street. So you're just gonna steal someone's house? Yeah, they're not using it. It's private property, and that's the problem. No one should be homeless. Everyone should have somewhere to live, and there's enough houses to house every person in the country. You're what, just gonna break into every empty house in the country and reappropriate it? Be very careful what you say next. Okay, well, ideally, all of these properties could be bought up by a collective tax aimed to eliminate involuntary homelessness for good. It's an awful idea. I don't want my hard-earned tax dollars being spent on giving houses to lazy bums who can't be bothered getting a job. I work my ass off, so what? So other people can just sit on theirs all day and get a house? Maybe housing should be provided to people with physical or mental disabilities preventing them from working, but, but why should I be paying for the obstinance of mentally and physically fit people who just choose not to work? They should just get a job. Look. Decades of research shows that it doesn't happen like that, okay? Firstly, it's a lot harder to get a job when you're unhoused. If you're competing for positions against people who are housed, it's Sisyphean. The Housing First model is guided by the belief that people need basic necessities like food and a place to live before attending to anything less critical, such as getting a job or budgeting properly or attending to substance use issues. Imagine trying to 
get a job when you have nowhere to shower before your interview, nowhere to wash and dry your clothes, nowhere to comfortably sleep to be well rested before the interview, nowhere to charge your phone to make sure you arrive on time, not being able to put down an address on the job application, and the longer a person is jobless, the less likely they are to be hired because employers do not like big gaps in CVs. The Housing First model benefits everyone and makes getting a job infinitely easier. If you don't think it's the responsibility of a society to house its own population, I think that says a lot more about your personal values, which are... Yikes. So we'll just build more houses. There's no need for you to go around stealing someone else's property. And this is why we're here today. Even though there are already enough houses in the country to comfortably house every single person, they're not for sale. They're not being used in any way. You know, building more houses and apartment blocks isn't gonna help if they're just bought up by investors who are going to sit on them for capital gains. You don't contribute anything. I mean, sure, it's legal, but it's immoral. A ghost home is private property, not personal property. They treat it like a commodity, right? And private, private property, property is, is theft. Yeah, we know, you anarchists are always so predictable. <laughs> And this house has been unoccupied for over a year. It's up to safety standards. The owner doesn't even use it as a holiday home. No one lives there. A 2017 study found that the average lifespan of a homeless person was shorter by about 17.5 years than recorded for the general population. By keeping this life-saving resource from use when there are homeless people sleeping out in the open with no shelter from the elements, the proprietor's choice to not allow anyone to live in their house is actively causing harm. You can't just go and live in someone else's house without their permission. A person gets to decide what to do with their own property, plain and simple, and you violated the homeowner's right. Don't call them a homeowner. You'll generate sympathy they don't deserve. They're a real estate speculator. A person who treats houses like poker chips to wager and not as tangible shelter for people in the community. Housing is healthcare. <laughs> By keeping properties empty, they're killing people. Oh, they're not killing people, don't be so dramatic. John Stuart Mill said, a person may cause evil to others, not only by his actions, but by his inaction. And in either case, he is justly accountable to them for the injury. And the law does support legal punishment caused by inaction in some cases. A person can get fined or arrested for negligence or uh, not maintaining a privately owned bridge, for example. A child can be taken away by social services if the parents exhibit neglect. In certain cases, a person can be prosecuted for not stepping in and saving someone's life when they could have easily intervened. Those are examples of someone being directly injured due to another person's negligence. Related to your point, in the UK, to commit the offence of gross negligence manslaughter, the prosecution must prove A has a duty of care towards B, that duty of care is breached, that breach caused B's death, and that that breach was so bad as to be grossly negligent. There is, however, no general duty of care requiring one person to save the life of another. In New Zealand, in the Crimes Act, under Crimes Against Public Welfare, everyone commits criminal nuisance who does any unlawful act or omits to discharge any legal duty, such act or omission being one which he or she knew would endanger the lives, safety or health of the public, or the life, safety or health of any individual. 
Additionally, homicide is culpable when it consists in the killing of any person by an omission without lawful excuse to perform or observe any legal duty. The homeowners who own multiple homes Capitalist. and choose to leave them empty do not have a legal duty to any members of the public to provide housing. There is no duty of care and therefore harm by inaction is not being done. Clearly there needs to be a sensible and implementable framework for what constitutes a duty of care and your scenario does not even exist in the same dimension as legal duty. The mortality of people experiencing homelessness is not directly related to the actions or inactions of a real estate investor. There is no legal precedent for duty of care. Maybe not the actions of a single person, but the collective actions of these real estate speculators means that there are tens of thousands of fewer houses on the market, which clearly has an impact on housing availability. It also shows that we can't end homelessness by simply building more houses if there's any chance that these houses will be snatched up by property speculators. And I can quote Morgan's case too. While this remains a fraught and complex area of law, it's abundantly clear that a young woman lost her life in appallingly tragic and preventable circumstances. The premature deaths of houseless people due to the lack of shelter are appalling and tragic and preventable. But legalizing the stealing of houses just on the basis that no one was there? <laughs> That's absurd. What's to stop you from coming and appropriating my home when I go to spend the weekend with the in-laws? Okay, I'm a level with you, right? The title of this video is a little bit clickbait, okay? It's meant to get you on the defensive and say, no, you can't take my house away. I need to clarify the difference between personal property and private property. Personal property is your own property that you use for yourself, right? Uh, you labor upon it yourself. It's your car, your toothbrush, your television, your bicycle, and your home that you live in, right? That's your personal property. What I'm proposing when I ask the question, can I steal your house? <laughs> what I'm actually investigating here is can a person or a group of people or an institution such as maybe the government reappropriate a building that is owned and held as private, not personal property, which is to say the current legal owner does not live in it, not even part-time and has zero plans to ever live in it. And in this particular case, no one else lives there either. It's simply held as a representation of speculative capitalism. The housing crisis is a misnomer because there is in fact enough housing for everyone. It is a crisis of distribution. To quote a prestigious philosopher who wrote on the principles of morality and harm reduction, any harm none, do as ye will. I'm of course referring to Doreen Edith Domini Valiente, the author of The Wiccan Read. It's also a concept voiced by John Stuart Mill. The only purpose for which power can be rightfully exercised over a member of a civilized community against his will is to prevent harm to others. I can see clearly how keeping ghost houses unoccupied is doing harm to others, but the prince and his aristocracy do not concur. The philosopher John Locke, who won't be born for a few hundred years after me, don't think about it too hard, will declare three fundamental rights. The right to life, the right to liberty, and the right to property. However, Locke believed that the most basic human law of nature is the preservation of mankind. He argued that individuals have a right to homestead private property from nature by working on it, but that they can do so only at least where there is enough and as good left in common for others. 
in accordance with Locke's treatise, one shall not have two or more houses when others have none, since there is then not enough left in common for others. Of those good things which nature hath provided in common, everyone had a right, as hath been said, to as much as he could use, and property in all that he could effect with his labour, all that his industry could extend to, to alter from the state that nature had put it in. He was only to look that he used them before they spoiled, else he took more than his share and robbed others, and indeed it was a foolish thing as well as dishonest, to hoard up more than he could make use of. If he gave away a part to anybody else, so that it perished not uselessly in his possession, he wasted not the common stock. But if either the grass of his enclosure rotted on the ground, or the fruit of his planting perished without gathering and laying up, this part of the earth, notwithstanding his enclosure, was still to be looked on as waste and might be the possession of any other. I look upon these silent empty houses and I see waste. The curtains closed, doors bolted, a safe and dry sanctuary unused while human beings, our people, huddle up, exposed to the elements, forsaken. It is insult and injury, and we shall stand for it no longer. Jean-Jacques Rousseau said, The fruits of the earth belong to all, and the earth to no one. Every man by nature has a right to everything he needs. Once his lot has been determined, he should limit himself thereto, no longer having any right against the community. Each private individual's right to his own store is always subordinate to the community's right to all. Let's say I agreed with you that absolutely no one should ever be homeless. In that case, the fight to end homelessness would still need to happen on the floor of parliament. In bills and legislation, I would understand your reasons, but I would never agree with your actions. Even if Benjamin Dixon is right, and homelessness is a policy choice, and we have the tools, the materials, and the financial capacity to end homelessness, you still can't just squat a house and expect things to change. If this is something you are really passionate about, write a letter to Parliament, call your local MP, organize marches and petitions. Countries like Canada and Finland are already tackling homelessness in line with the Housing First model from a legislative angle, successfully. As in many countries, homelessness in Finland had long been tackled using a staircase model. You were supposed to move through different stages of temporary accommodation as you got your life back on track with an apartment as the ultimate reward. Finland decided to make the housing unconditional, to say, look, you don't need to solve your problems before you get a home. Mm -mm. Instead, a home should be the secure foundation that makes it easier to solve your problems. Since then, the number of people experiencing homelessness in Finland has dropped dramatically. Yeah, what Finland is doing is incredible. Um, and I totally support them. <laughs> and I'm very suspicious of people who oppose the housing first approach just because they want people to have to earn a roof over their head. You know, plenty of unhoused folks have just had a string of bad luck or victims of systems designed to marginalize them. And now they're being demanded to prove that they deserve access to the fundamental human need of shelter. That's messed up. You still can't just squat someone's house. You get into legal trouble about it, and then you hope for people to take your requests to change legislation seriously. <laughs> You're undermining yourself by breaking the law. Finland is the first country in modern history to tackle the problem of homelessness with this level of success, and that was 
all done through legislation. It wasn't done by anarchists squatting in houses. My argument is that no one should be able to privately own an additional house that they neither occupy nor offer up for tenancy until there isn't a single person in the country who's living without shelter against their will. I mean, good for Finland, right? That's rad that they managed that, but squatting isn't this random isolated incident. Going by the definition of squatting as squatting is the action of occupying an abandoned or unoccupied area of land or a building, usually residential, that the squatter does not own, rent, or otherwise have lawful permission to use. There's an estimated 1 billion squatters today. That's one in seven people alive on this planet. We can't wait for the government to catch up while people are dying from being unhoused. So you're squatting this house because you don't think that fighting for legislative change is happening fast enough. Yeah, that sounds like a guilty plea to me. Fucking liberal. Can't believe I used to eat you out. This is not the appropriate time or place. Isn't this a bit of a conflict of interest? Well, maybe if you'd given the officer your name before asking for a lawyer, I could have passed this case on to someone else. Like you remember my name. It is a known fact that in the large towns of France, and in many of the smaller ones also, the workers are coming gradually to the conclusion that dwelling houses are in no sense the property of those whom the state recognizes as their owners. This idea has evolved naturally in the minds of the people, and nothing will ever convince them again that the rights of property ought to extend to houses. The house was not built by its owner. It was erected, decorated, and furnished by innumerable workers. In the timber yard, the brick field, and the workshop, toiling for dear life at a minimum wage. The money spent by the owner was not the product of his own toil. It was amassed, like all other riches, by paying the workers two-thirds, or only half of what was their due. Moreover, and this is where the enormity of the whole proceeding becomes most glaring, the house owes its actual value to the profit which the owner can make out of it. Now this profit results from the fact that his house is built in a town possessing bridges and keys and fine public buildings, and affording to its inhabitants a thousand comforts and conveniences unknown in villages. A town well paved, lighted with gas, in regular communication with other towns, and itself a centre of industry, commerce, science and art. A town which the work of 20 or 30 generations has gone to render habitable, healthy and beautiful. So do you believe it's wrong for capitalists to hoard essential needs like housing and leave them unutilised when people are literally dying two decades before their time? Not that it matters what I think. But someone can do what they want with their property. It would be nice of them to open it up to tenants. Ooh, a benevolent capitalist. But there would be no way to fail and legislate for that. Sure there is. If a house sits completely empty for more than a couple of years, and the owner can't give a good reason as to why, confiscate it. You know, give it to a family in need who will actually use it. And give squatters rights. The state can't just go around taking people's property. Of course it can. They do it all the time. The state regularly takes drugs from people, 
They took my multi-tool when they brought me in here. Well, of course, that's different because those things can be used to cause harm to yourself or others. And by this proprietor's inaction of acquiring tenants, there is a person or family out there sleeping on the street. That is harm. Governments are directly, because of the way that they prioritize private property over human life, responsible for the deaths of their unhoused people. Elizabeth Ashford describes the moral duty of the duty bearer to perform or refrain from some action. Ashford argues, when it comes to assigning overall responsibility for human rights violations, we should often focus not only on the agents who are directly responsible for the violation, but also on those who share indirect responsibility for it, even if it is possible to identify specific individuals as the perpetrators of a human rights violation. Other agents may have made an important indirect contribution to those violations by, for example, supporting social institutions within which such violations are encouraged or even play a systemic role. And governments should be the ones with a duty to provide human rights. Everyone has the right to a standard of living adequate for the health and well-being of himself and of his family, including food, clothing, housing and medical care, and necessary social services, and the right to security in the event of unemployment, sickness, disability, widowhood, old age, or other lack of livelihood in circumstances beyond his control. People are hurting and people are dying, and our government could be helping, but they're not. And that's why I squat. I won't stop squatting until everyone is housed. So we're quoting the Declaration of Human Rights, are we? In Article 17 of that exact same document, it says that no one shall be arbitrarily deprived of his property. That's a human right too, and the law upholds this, which is why there are property rights, and why squatters have no rights to just go in and steal someone's house. You think it's arbitrary for the government to give housing to someone struggling for their life on the street? That's exactly the problem. The violations are also constituted by a system of laws and other social institutions. This means that if we exclusively focus on the perpetrators of specific harmful actions and assigning responsibility for human rights violations, we will fail to acknowledge altogether a central aspect of the violations. I further argue that when serious harms result from the operation of unjust social institutions, the content of the negative duties that these unjust social institutions impose on those who participate in them is often neither obvious nor specific. That is why you can't just wait for a benevolent capitalist and look the other way when a proprietor hoards essential resources. The system supports them. They're encouraged and rewarded by the institution for their ingenuity. But you think the best way to fight the system is to squat. This is why anarchists have no place in the political system. There are ways to make your voice heard which don't involve breaking the law. If you're so interested in changing the system, then join a political party. Call your representative. Push for legislative change. I understand that you think what you did was moral, but it's still illegal. It all comes down to using your democratic power to navigate conflict, and as it currently stands, the legal owner of a property is entitled to use the property however they see fit, and that includes having it stand unoccupied. If you disagree with that, then secure yourself a public platform and make your voice heard. You can't just take what isn't yours. There are places and times where squatting actually worked 
incredibly well in terms of getting housing and of shifting public perception. And there are places and times where a democratic approach successfully shifted the political framework. Vancouver, Canada is one such trailblazer. Legislators in the city have forced landlords to rent out their property or pay a 1% tax based on the home's assessed value. The levy, introduced in 2017, collected 39.4 million Canadian dollars from almost 2,000 empty properties in 2018. Vancouver reinvests the cash into affordable housing initiatives and recently voted to raise the tax to 1.25%. The London Mayor's Office has called the city's 25,000 empty homes a needless waste and injustice. A recent study from University College London claimed an empty homes tax might be more effective in creating affordable housing than constructing new buildings. Those are great points. And I love that Vancouver has taken that route. You know, we've got two different approaches to the same problem, but it sounds like we desire the same outcomes. So. Why not be allies? You know, I hope we can agree that until we stop viewing houses as investments and going back to regarding them as homes, we will not solve our homelessness crisis. Houses are for living in, not for wealth investment. Also, what I've done is attract attention to the problem. I mean, have you seen the amount of media coverage we've already gotten? <laughs> yeah, okay, you're right in that I don't necessarily have any proof that your squatting is going to sabotage other efforts to solve the housing crisis. Nonetheless, in this particular situation, I do still advise that you plead guilty. I might be able to get you off with some community service. That won't be the first time you've gotten me off. Oh my god. Those who man the lifeboat do not ask credentials from the crew of a sinking ship. They launch their boat, risk their lives in the raging waves, and sometimes perish all to save men whom they do not even know, and what need to know them. They are human beings and they need our aid. That is enough. Let me take the costume off for a moment. Whoa, it's booty! Oh my god, I didn't recognize me with my beanie on. I'm like Superman. <laughs> that was just a costume. Uh, so costume off for a moment, now it's, it is me. It, 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 this is in fact booty now, right? Am I implying in this video that I believe that the government should seize everyone's unused houses, excess houses, and give them to people who are currently without shelter? I wouldn't say no to that. I know it seems like an extreme solution, but what I think is extreme is people in our society living in the street without shelter because they do not have access to housing, which is a human right. Shelter is a human right. So I think that's pretty, pretty extreme the way that our current capitalist system treats people and prioritizes private property over human lives. I believe that is extreme. So perhaps you might see or someone might see the government seizing people's excess houses and redistributing them, they might see that as extreme, but I believe that the end result of everyone being comfortably housed is quite sane and level-headed and, and pretty sensible, actually. Having said that, I do not believe that that is the only path to a solution. I believe that while engaging in discussions around indigenization and decolonization, we are going to have some very interesting talks about what it even means to 
own land or whether land should be ownable. Plenty of indigenous beliefs, although certainly not all of them, there's a lot of variety amongst indigenous ideas and values and belief structures, but plenty of indigenous cultures don't consider land to be ownable, or if it is, it's communally owned, right? And so I believe that part of talking about indigenization is having discussions about how land should be treated, whether it should even be owned, what that even means. If you have a, currently, if you have a deed to a land, right, if you have the legal right to have the land, you could just let it sit there and not do anything while there are people who are wanting to grow food for their communities. Is that fair? I don't believe it is. So I believe that an entire restructuring of the concept of owning land and owning housing and owning shelter should be readdressed. 